This is Hope Punk Podcast. I'm Steven. Uh, <laughs> giant ball of optimism. <laughs> and a girl dad. I'm Steph, horseman mama maker. Alright. What is the date? Today is June 25th, 2020. Good deal. 625. That's a good number. <laughs> is our, it? our baby is over 10 months old now. She is. Something? She turned 10 months a few days ago. <laughs> We're sitting out on our porch with the birds and the neighbors and Well, she's goats. soundly asleep in the house. Well, she's soundly asleep. She's yeah. not out here. <laughs> it is evening time. We have this fancy device where we can watch her as she sleeps. Also known as a baby monitor. Yeah, I know. It's kind of... <laughs> it's a little surveillance-y for me, but also it's really... Well, it's handy. It's handy. It's nice to... She's become a light sleeper as she's gotten a little older. Yeah. And she's into would... the world, so I mean, I don't blame her, but... Yeah, I don't blame her either, but she used to be a pretty heavy sleeper, and then we had a couple nights in a row where I would check on her when I got home, got home from work, and she'd wake up, and that was no good for anybody. <laughs> so yeah. we got a video monitor yeah, instead of so. just the audio one we had before. Yeah. So. Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze, but... Anyway. You're fine. It's okay. I'll fix it in post. You're making great faces. Yeah, it's my try not to sneeze face. Wonderful. What do you want to talk about? Well, I was thinking of something different this time. Um, about food and how we come to it and what we do. So I'm kind of the main bread food maker. procurer, really... maker, shopper, cleaner, upper, afterer. I get the bacon, bring it home, fry it up in the pan, then I clean out the pan afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and we all eat it. Uh-huh. Um, though, since we've been together, we had married for our marriage. For our marriage. One of the gifts we got was a crock pot, and that's been a life changer for me. So I'll say most nights of the week, I just throw a chunk of meat or something in the crock pot, and then later, eight hours, it's done. If you're a young couple, well, I guess if you're probably not a young couple, you're going to probably not listen to this, but if you're part of a young couple, the best $40 you will ever spend is a crock pot. I can't cook at all, and I can operate a crock pot. Add 10 more bucks to get a rice maker, and you're set. Yeah, If you're single, you can make a pot of beans and rice and eat for weeks. I mean, it's so handy. I'm saying somebody um, gave it to us. Actually, I think it was, yeah. I actually know who gave us the crock pot. Okay. I don't know that it was on our wedding registry or not, but I remember getting it, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. We have gotten our money's worth, and then some. I love that thing. For sure. Yeah, no, at least... Four times a week we use it. Yeah. So, but that's not saying I can't do anything else. I do have a nice cast iron. We also got cast iron skillet during that. During what? During our wedding. During that situation. <laughs> during our, another wedding present we got was a cast iron skillet. Yeah, see, so we've got, we've got a couple. We've got I two use, that I know of. Yeah, we've got two in the Dutch oven. Yeah. But I use the one, the red enamel one, all the time. That's yeah. my go-to. So I can fry chicken in it or saute things. I like to make... What? Nothing. I'm just saying, like, for those of us who don't cook, i.e. me. Okay. Well, there, I can do more complex things than just... Right, the crock pot, pot is my speed. Like, that was kind of what yeah. I was getting at. I was like, I am a person who has set off smoke alarms with microwave brownies. Twice. I once had the fire department called on me at a house I was house-sitting on because I tried to make bacon, <laughs> and it didn't go well. Like, yeah, no, I she can't make bacon. at all. I've tried to show you the oven method, but it doesn't... That's how I got the fire department yeah, called no, on me. No, but I can do a crock pot. 
and I love it. Yeah. So, so I've cooked most of the meals. Um, and I eat most of the meals. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it works out. You know, I'm not a pro or anything, but I like, think I'm okay. Um, I know my way around a spice rack. Yeah. And I can you do most of the basic um, techniques. You know, I'm not a flambe or I can't do a sous verde or anything fancy like that. But I don't even know what those are. Don't try to explain it to me. I'm not really sure what a sous verde is. You could make it up. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay. I think it involves like boiling something real slow, but I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I can feed us pretty well. Yeah. Because um, I was okay. Well, I was raised with home cooked meals most of the night. And I wasn't and, at uh, all. So. <laughs> I didn't learn a whole lot. I learned how to make box rice, which I still love. Rice aroni. That's my thing. Mom taught me how to make that. It's your comfort food. Yeah. But the rest of it, I kind of picked up. I mean, I. Burned a lot of food <laughs> in our years together before I got to where I'm. I can pretty well not ruin what I'm <laughs> making most of the time. Uh, well, and when in doubt, we have a dog. Yeah, no, we have a dog. And he eats all things. I will say it's easier because when you were vegan, I had trouble. I'd cook for me and I'd cook for you. And yeah. You know. Let's vegan. talk about that. That's you're vegan? things people. Nowadays, are always shocked. Not that it comes up very often, but several times in the past couple of years, I've been like, "Oh yeah, and I was vegan." They're like, "You were vegan?" I was like, "Oh yeah, well, for almost were, three years." You were vegan, and so when we were together, that means I was mostly vegan. Right, um, right. So for <laughs> which meant I ate a lot of pasta and French fries. Yeah, <laughs> we were and vegan goods. and um, and low income, so yes. we weren't buying the fancy meats no. or the no, no, no prepackaged, you know burritos and things Mm -mm. it was mostly you said starch yeah and uh, it literally at one point we were surviving surviving off of like grain noodles and tomato sauce yeah no i still can't eat like spaghetti with just plain tomato sauce can't do it i gotta have something we ate that for quite a while something um but yeah it was (laughs) spaghetti biscuits Mm -hmm. and we had and tea chai tea yeah yep (laughs) still like chai tea though every day Mm mm-hmm it's what you could afford. That was a kid. That was. I assume everything is okay. Our neighbors have five children, and they're very active on yeah. evenings, uh, <laughs> such as this. So, but you were vegan, um, and I made a lot of seitan parmesan. Oh, or no, it's not seitan parmesan. Seitan and cheese. I still love seitan and parm though. Um, With real cheese now, not fake cheese. Yeah, seitan's okay, but I had to melt the fake cheese over it, and. Well, it doesn't melt. <laughs> Oh, no matter man. what brand it releases these noxious fumes. That was when we had a little bit more money. We yeah. kind of graduated up to, to fake meat and fake cheese. Yeah, so I'd make you those sandwiches on, on nice focaccia bread. Oh, gosh. That's still it. one of my favorite foods, though. <laughs> Seitan or chicken parmesan on focaccia. Mm-hmm. Chicken, I like. Seitan's not too bad if you season it right, but it's just getting it seasoned right. Which is probably where I learned how to use my different seasonings. Oh, you had to, yeah, because everything, I mean, this was also like, oh my gosh, I don't remember when I started being vegan, but I mean, like, this would have, this was over 10 years ago, so this was before a lot of this stuff was commercially available, like, when I was vegan, you couldn't get stuff, for the most part, at Kroger, you had to go to Whole Foods, or this little place that used to be, when we lived in Louisville, or near Louisville at one point, called Amazing Grace, which is a health food yeah. store, which isn't around anymore. Rainbow Blossom in Louisville. Rainbow Blossom. Um, the co-op in Lexington. There was a co-op Good in co-op. Lexington. Yeah. But like... But like your average grocery? No. Kroger didn't have any. They had soy milk, and that was it. And right around the time I was stopped being vegan, they started getting a couple of like the meat analogs. Dogs hung up. 
<laughs> yeah. But they were, everything was real expensive. Yeah. And it was just not easy. No. And I remember, you know, we'd, sometimes we'd get tired of cooking and we would just, you'd, you'd get french fries because it's all you'd get out that was vegan. You know? Yeah. Impossible burgers weren't a thing. Nope. Mm -mm. Um, and most things had meat products in them. You know, we remember looking, what was it? I don't know, it was pasta sauce or something that I was looking through trying to find someone that didn't have any meat products in it or any animal products at all. And it was just like... Well, everything had cheese. You wouldn't think it would have... Yeah, yeah. it was cheese and it was like one other weird emulsifier or something that was animal-based. Yeah. So so we did that. Part of it too, we were in New Orleans, so I learned... I mean, I've, I've loved New Orleans food for a long time, but when I was down there, I had to learn how to cook red beans and rice gumbo. Things like that. So I got a little bit of my seasoning and cooking skills from from that. Well, I think we've also had kind of an interesting relationship with food because when we got together, I was vegan. We had no money. And so then we kind of got a little bit older, got a little bit of money. I was still vegan. And then, you know, you ate bison steak around me, and I wasn't vegan oh, yeah. anymore. Let me tell you that story. <laughs> uh, the tale of the bison steak. Yeah. <laughs> so we were out in Shepherdsville. Bullet County. Bullet County, yeah. Uh, on... Nine acres of scrub and woods. <laughs> I used to live. Yeah. And um, I don't know what caused me, but I, like, I got a paycheck or something. I really wanted something nice to eat. Mm -hmm. So I went and bought a local Kentucky-raised bison steak. It was like $10 for, you know, 10 ounces of meat. Which we could not afford. We couldn't afford it. Remotely. But I, I treated myself. Right. And so I fried it up in the skillet with just a little bit of salt and pepper. Medium rare. Perfect. I came in and <laughs> sat down next to you, and you're like, mm, that smells pretty good. Let me have a bite of that. Are you sure? And I don't know what was going through your head at the time. <laughs> but uh, I gave you a bite of that, and that was uh, the end of that. Yep, and I never was vegan again. Yeah. Oh, there's a dog. There's a dog. Okay. You want to go inside, pup? Let me put the dog in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh. Well, I wanted to say, too, you know, I didn't grow up in a home where we did a lot of home cooking, mm -hmm. so I never learned how to cook anything at all, like, at all. My dad would make fried bologna, hot dogs, and sausages. That's the only things he ever made. Right. Ever. We would always go out to eat, like, McDonald's or Cracker Barrel or Bob Evans when I was at his house. And then, I don't remember my mom... She would make lasagna every once in a while. So your mom makes a mean lasagna. It's really good. Yeah, but other than that, I, I don't remember I think it's eating only anything of hers. at her house. I remember we ate a, when she was married to her third husband, we ate ramen noodles and fudge pops a lot. Hmm. And that was really it. But, I mean, she was in school, grad school, working third shift, like, doing a lot of stuff. So I didn't grow up with, you know, much of a food culture at home. And then I became vegan. And that's how I learned to bake, was mm. because I had to feed myself. Well, I want to get into that in just one second. I'm just thinking sure. about my own background. Because I was raised, you know, we had home-cooked dinners most of the night. Like, it was a special occasion to go for fast food or something. Right. And, uh, that's probably why I'm as rotund as I am. Pleasantly plump. My mom could cook. I mean, we'd have, you know, pork chops and green beans and mashed potatoes. Or fried chicken and green beans <laughs> and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Which I hated mac and cheese until fairly recently. The Weirdo. last ten years. Weirdo. But, um, yeah, that's kind of, I don't know, I guess traditional American um, food culture. You know, we had, I don't know how else to describe it. That's kind of 
how it was. We had tacos sometimes. But I was thinking about when you said you didn't have a food culture at home. And I wonder if that's why maybe you and I gravitate more towards ethnic food. Um, oh, for sure. I'm a fan. You know, I recently figured out how to, how to get some Indian seasoning type of palate into my food. You know, yeah. toned down and Americanized, obviously. But more like cumin and coriander and you get the kind of the sweet and the heat together. Well, anytime we have people over, which granted hasn't been at all recently, but like in years past, people have always commented on how well seasoned our food is. And I'm like, oh, and then we eat at someone else's house. And I'm like, oh, this tastes like literally nothing. <laughs> There's a meme I saw. It's like, you white people went around, colonized all these countries for their spices and then haven't used them. <laughs> yeah. Like. So I've got, I mean, I don't have the best, you know, I have friends who have better stocked spice racks than I do. But I do pretty well. Yeah. I think you do really um, well with what you have. Yeah. You make all kinds of things. Yeah, I do. I mean, I've figured out jerk spices recently, which is fun. You know, again... Not as spicy as you would have authentically, but pretty close. But no, I would say that's definitely why we gravitate towards more more ethnic foods. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I have no emotional attachment to, tr- to traditional American foods. I like them just fine. I'm not a picky eater at all, but, like... We also don't tend to like real heavy stuff. Right. You know, I can only eat potatoes so many times in a week before I'm over it. And um, it's funny, too, a lot of traditional American stuff, if you look at it, like... Um, to think of an example like turkey for example a lot of stuff is native american in origin you know cranberries and Ooh, yeah. walnuts things like that um cornbread totally native american invention hominy so even or soul food even is like you know comes from africa we went to divergent and we'll talk about baking but when we were in new orleans one of the vegan places we were able to eat one restaurant that had vegan food it's like of the three around at the time was this African place in the French Quarter oh. called Benichin. And they did a lot of southern food. Like They had the best greens I've ever eaten in my yeah, life. Yeah, collard greens, I still red have beans, and rice. About their greens. It was so good. But they were done in the West African style, how they would have been oh. when they, when, you know, slaves brought That's that food over here. Every time you make greens and I tell you it's wrong, it's because I'm thinking of Benichins. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so it's interesting that the food culture, even like, I mean, I ethnic food but it's like soul food is a different thing too and that's where a lot of southern food comes from African food so I don't know that's all anyway I don't bake because I can't follow a recipe to save my life I always immediately I see a recipe I'm like oh I can well, do this and add this and do this I just wanted to say so. that we came across this idea for the podcast episode because in our point of view there are cooks and there are bakers and in my personal belief there are people that are right, and there are people that cook. <laughs> and that is solely because in baking, which is what I do, you have to follow a recipe. You have to follow. You have to do things in the correct order and the correct amount for the right amount of time, or things don't work, and it's inedible. Whereas, oh, for sure. as I understand it, cooking is a lot more freeform, anything goes, make things up. There's a lot of, in my cooking anyway, there's a lot of... Um <laughs> reacting to results. Yeah. Um, you do a little bit and taste it and see what it mm, needs a little more salt, a little less salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baking is not that way. Baking is very exact. Yeah. A, one of our friends said one is a science and one is with soul, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I like if I'm trying to tell you how to make something I do, I can't tell you exactly how much. Oh, no, he's tried to tell me recipes, even to put in the crock pot. 
and you'll sit, look at my notes, and it'll be like, you know, put the protein in, okay, add water, okay, and then for the spices, it'll just be categories of lot of this one, medium of this, tiny bit of this, yeah. and he can't give me amounts. No, like, that you know, just till it's right. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know. And it'll be eight spices in one dish, but I have to group them with what you. Say. Oh, a lot of this one, more of this one, less of that. Just yeah. a pinch of this. I'm like, like, when you use a good amount of salt, a little cool. bit less garlic. Right, and like that doesn't just mean a little bit of cayenne. You know, it's. Where's <laughs> uh, the baking? I can tell you exactly. I will say how to do things. In that regard, we've tried. You've tried to make biscuits a lot. I've never. I could make. I'm yawning, I'm sorry. I can make vegan biscuits. Like many, 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 many years ago. That were great every time. But normal biscuits, I have never once, and I've probably tried half a dozen recipes. All different kinds of ways. Never once made them where they're remotely good. At all. Right. Throwing away every batch. And I tried once. I found a recipe and it was just sort of like... Mix it until it looks like this and kind of do this. Don't overdo it and all this. So I just kind of, I mean, I don't want to say half-assed it, but just kind of threw it together, well, stirred it up, poured it out, and made, you know, really thick biscuits that weren't lumpy and, and ugly and stuff. And body that I have seen make really good biscuits or have heard talk about making biscuits, they all talk about feel. You have to have feel. And yeah. once you get the feel for biscuits, then they'll be right every time. But if you don't have that feel, they won't turn out. And I don't have it. I just don't. I think I might have got it. I don't know. The ones I did seem to come out pretty good. Yeah. So. Well, biscuits to me are are more of a. That's not true. I mean, it's baking, but it's not really baking. It's not exact. No. This is like you can do cookies or I can cake. Do, yeah, cookies, cake, like pie, complex stuff. muffins, brownies, any cobblers. And we're not talking from a mix either. We're talking about from scratch. No, I don't believe. Okay, this is something I'm going to put out there, and it's controversial, and I don't care. A friend told me once in college that the prevailing theory was that something was homemade if it had three ingredients or more, but one of the ingredients could be a box. I don't believe that. That is sacrilege. If you don't make all of it from scratch, it is not homemade. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I made this from a box or a mix or whatever, but it's not homemade. Fair enough. And see, I had never had actually homemade baked goods until I've been with you because mom made everything from mixes. I mean, my mom made muffins from mixes. She kept muffins, a drawer cakes, full of the, they were 69 cent. Some were Lily White, some were Kroger brand. Just the mixed berry and blueberry muffin mix. And occasionally apple cinnamon. And it came in a bag and you mix like an egg and some milk. Sometimes she'd do that on Sunday mornings before church. Yeah. And that was it. I That's... do not do that. Everything is from scratch. If you ever come over... You know, to our house. Odds are good I will either have made muffins that morning or am making cookies that evening. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I bake a lot. But I, should, I don't know. That's just how, once I learned, I said I learned how to do it as a vegan because baking was like the entry way in. It was mm. the easiest way to make stuff that was vegan but didn't, but could pass, for lack of a better term. That didn't yeah, look no, weird. I mean, I had your biscuits as a, you know, and they yeah. tasted great to me. Like, your baked goods being vegan were fine like you know i think that's the best brownies he ever made were vegan brownies oh i'm sure that's one thing i'm thankful too because i came into baking from the vegan avenue it's a lot more forgiving with vegan ingredients because nothing is quote-unquote real because you're not working with dairy or eggs yeah. or butter nothing's going to spoil so right. if you go a little bit 
not long enough, it's not going to give you salmonella. <laughs> if you go a bit too long, you've got just a little bit more a wiggle room there because it doesn't react exactly the same way yeah. as traditional ingredients. And two, you're you're adept at making substitutions. You yes, know, we've got peanut butter, applesauce. It doesn't matter. You know, we can make room with anything. Yeah. And that, again, is because of veganism. Yeah. I learned how to do a lot of subs Such on the fly. Um, I guess the whole philosophy of veganism would get into a different time. But. Well, I mean, I feel like we could touch on it here because it's relevant okay. to our food culture. We're so 22 minutes now. So. Well, I mean, I'm sure you're going to edit this down. Yeah. But I just wanted to say for the record, too, I was vegan. This is something else a lot of people over years have been surprised to learn, but I'm open with talking about. Um, I went into veganism because I was anorexic. I starved myself down to a very unhealthy weight. And I got down to the point where I was eating so little, I couldn't process food, really, correctly. It would make me really sick. So to try to, once I realized I had a problem, um, it was never treated for it, but just had a caring friend reach out to me and be like, hey, you know, we need to, we need to fix this. And it took me a while, but once I came around, I was like, oh, no, I think you're right. You know, once I started trying to get back into a normal eating rhythm, I went vegan. It was the easiest way to try to ease my body back into a more normal way of eating. And um, that's the angle that I came at it from. So I was never ever one of, and I'm probably going to offend people with this and I don't care, but I was never one of those preachy, preachy vegans. I was yeah, never no. pretentious. I've never been for animal rights. I'm definitely for animal welfare, 100%, but not, you know, never yeah, was that's a, another, that's another a PETA worshiper or anything. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's how I came into veganism. Hmm. But, and I thought was interesting in their time together with me being a vegan, that's kind of what really got you interested in, like, agriculture. Yeah, no, I did a whole, because it, the point was, I guess if I'm going to eat meat, I need to understand why, not just as a general. You got into um, more of the ethical quandary. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I don't eat from all locally sourced, I the food I eat comes from factory farms, and it's we terrible. Would, we would love to, but it's too expensive. Yeah, I mean, we've tried that for a little while, and it's just not... It's not sustainable. No, for us anyway. So, call us hypocrites or whatever, but... But, getting into that, I kind of... reevaluated why I eat meat, or how I eat meat, and my relationship to food in general. And, uh, I don't know if I discovered Wendell Berry during that time, or start reading him more. I know you read the Michael Pollan book. Yeah, I guess that was The Omnivore's Dilemma. Yeah, cause we talked about that a lot. Really good. If you, um, you know, if you're interested at all in food and culture and how it affects us, the omnivore's dilemma is very good. Um, and so that got me thinking about how we get food, what we can do, and being that you are a horse person, horsewoman, mm-hmm. horseman, horseman. <laughs> yes. And um, there's a thing about how we could possibly tie that into food, you know, farming and agriculture and all this. And, Ultimately, I think it's too much work for me <laughs> to be a farmer. Yeah. But have being aware of it and knowing, you know, even though I don't agree with it and it's terrible and I'm complicit, knowing where my food comes from makes me a little more, I don't know, ethical. I can try to make ethical choices. Well, we're very aware of our place within the greater scheme of things. And I think because of your interest... You know, you educated me through your interest in agriculture and food and how that all kind of plays into the choices that we have at the grocery store and the choices that we make based on our budget and food subsidies and, like, all this stuff that I just wasn't really aware of and wasn't really informed on, even though I 
went to a college, a college of agriculture for two years. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think there's a Wendell Berry <laughs> um, well, well, course in UK. No. So there's there's a program now, but not, not at UK. But um, yeah. definitely not almost 10 years ago. But I think, too, like, it's really geared us up to where if at some point we have the means, we would choose to support, you know, local producers, local yeah. farmers. If we had the ability, we would. Which doesn't and make it okay, but, like, we are at least at that point where I would choose to have local meat over a lot of things yeah, if we had the ability. We've gone through fits and starts when we've um, been able to do things more. It's just, you know, the last <laughs> year with the baby coming in and all this, it's not something that we've really put a lot of thought into. No. At least I haven't, but... um. But, like, I'm trying to grow my own food. We've talked about fishing and hunting to get some of our own protein. I'll say, like, we did get into hunting, bow hunting, for a while. We still have the equipment. That's just something we need to take more time, hone our skills. And the tricky thing with that now is, like, we, again, we have a baby. We don't really have childcare, So for us to go out hunting and be working around work schedules, which right now it just physically isn't possible. Yeah, no. It's, so yeah, it's, maybe at some point it will be. Um, you enjoy fishing. It's not really my most favorite thing in the world no, but, but you do enjoy fish so i do love fish yeah. i love seafood i did want to put that in this episode as well oh, yeah. i love seafood and the fact that we don't live on the coast somewhere like oh my god i love crustaceans i don't know shrimp crawfish i haven't met any type of seafood i don't clams adore clams are more mollusks and eat like in heavy oysters. heavy quantities oh yeah oh man on our honeymoon yeah anecdote time yes on our honeymoon we went to dolphin island in alabama we went to this place where you could buy all types of fresh caught seafood and they would steam it for you and they would put it in these little styrofoam yeah. containers the place literally opened up into a dock in the back it was amazing and very cost efficient yeah. and we went in the off season so like it was even better I have a picture well I did they're all gone now because my computer crashed but at some point I had a picture of our takeout one day for lunch and there's one container which is Stevens and next to it are four which is mine. Yeah, I got a half a pound of shrimp. She got a half a pound of oysters and crab legs and <laughs> <laughs> shrimp and something else, maybe clams. I don't, I don't remember. But I was just like this and this and this and that. Yeah, they looked at you kind of funny and then we went back to our little and patio I and ate all of it. Ate all of it. I thought maybe I'd get to try some. No, it was nope. gone. Nope. And you can't get, you know, fresh seafood where we live. We are no. a very landlocked state. The state has a lot of benefits, but fresh seafood, unfortunately, is not one of them. Nope, you get frozen shrimp, which you're okay, and pre-cooked crawfish, which are pretty depressing. No. Yeah. Which are not worth eating. <laughs> I don't know. I really want some more crawfish, man. I miss that. It took me a long time to figure out how to eat them, but once you figure it out. Oh. Yeah, we'll never retire, but if we ever did, it would be on the coast somewhere. I feel oh, like. Oh, we just retire, just travel around different coasts. Yeah, but like <laughs> the way crab I in Maine, we get some. Lobster, I love seafood I and the beach, and Stephen loves, you know, food cultures and to cook and all that. Like, we would be somewhere on the coast. Yeah. Or coasts. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, man, I think that about wraps it up. Like, that's, yeah, that's all I've got. Food for us um, in a nutshell. I mean, I'm sure we can talk about it more into the night, but yeah. it's getting dark. It's starting to get eight with mosquitoes. So, so we're, we're going to call go. it. Thanks for listening. This has been Oak Punk. I'm Steph. And I'm Steven. Have a good week.